0: Yo, yo, ma, peeps. Yeah, you know who this is. Guy Adami, (laughs) Thursday, April 21st, Market Call. Joined, as always, by Dan Nathan. Just a few minutes, you know, you're all hopped up on Mountain Dew. EY from SoFi will be joining. Today's episode brought to you by three presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow, the aforementioned SoFi get your money right people all in one application app actually and of course open exchange dan because they manage the virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world we had a conversation a few hours ago you and i as we often tend to do yeah and i said there's something doesn't smell right to me dan it looks like the market wants to head lower and lo and behold here we are.
1: Yeah, what? it's a bit of a mess right now. Here it is, one o'clock. I mean, the, the S&P was up nearly 1%. The NASDAQ was up a bit more of that on the opening. And I'm like looking around and trying to find some reasons. You know, we've had a lot of whipsaw action this week. Predominantly, I think, in, you know, tech stocks in particular here, high valuation tech, I would say. And you know, the fact that Tesla was trading up 7 8% after that quarter, and by all accounts, good quarter, good guidance, not really sure why they felt the need to even raise delivery guidance or the range in which they were doing it, given the lack of visibility and some of the other commentary that they had about inflation and supply chains. But, you know, I mean, this stock guy, we're going to talk a little bit about Tesla's holding in there, but if I look around here, man, it is an absolute bloodbath. Yesterday, we showed, we could have done it again today, the relative strength of the bank stocks versus all these fintech stocks. Fintech stocks are getting killed. But go to some of these kind of, you know, tech stocks that have already been murdered, mm-hmm. and they're just getting murdered again here today, and it was really quick to go lower right after the opening here, and I'll just mention one name in particular with you know Bitcoin acting particularly well. Why is Coinbase at 137 down six and a half percent today on no news. They just launched their NFT wallet guy. I know you're all geeked up about that. Yeah, I actually went to the application
0: store the other day. Unfortunately, there was a long line for that one, so I didn't (laughs) wait. But listen, you know, things happen. I'm sure the lines will diminish a bit and I'll be able to get it. With that said, I want to also mention this. Semis, NVIDIA, AMD, you know, they all had that huge bounce off that low we made a couple months ago. And they're giving it back a little. Very quietly, you have AMD either side of 90 bucks, a name that I've obviously loved. But, I mean, that stock's on the verge of, which is, I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but it's on the verge of being cut in half from that recent high we made, which is really remarkable. So, there are definitely things to be watching. There's some good things out there as well. But, you know, the reversals today, Dan, this is one of those days you sort of bookmark. You know, you put that little tab in the corner of the page and you come back and you remember this
1: yeah no doubt all right well listen you and i there's a few strategists out there that we have a lot of respect for sometimes we agree with one who's usually bullish and a lot sometimes we agree with one who's usually bearish here and you know there's a little bull bear debate going on our friend tom lee over there at fs insight he has some great data about (laughs) you know in the post world War Two period, post-tax day, equity returns have been the strongest when there's been a big tax hit. And he's talking about the case for you know a bounce after that April 18th. We've had a little bit of a bounce. It hasn't been particularly great. And David Rosenberg, on the flip side of this over at Rosenberg Research, he's saying the last time we've seen a 50 basis point hike from the Fed was ready for this guy, May of 2000. I think you remember what happened in May of 2000. He said over the past 30 years, economists have forecasted only two of the 60 recessions that have occurred. All right, here's the thing. You know, I'm looking at this slide here, and I'm focused on one thing, an old gray hair. Reminds me a lot of you. I'm not sure when you kind of, you know, shaved that beard or so, but what we have here is one dog looking one way, the other dog looking the other way, and you're saying... What do you want from me? Right. What do you want from me? Now I'm going to say this.
0: Right. I know EY is watching and listening. So she has about seven minutes to learn (laughs) what this painting is and to get back to (laughs) us. That's our homework assignment. But you know what I've also found? and, And I'm not suggesting it's with either one of these guys. I'm guilty of it as well. But, you know, depending on one's dogma, and listen, I say it all the time, I'm predisposed to be look at the glass half empty. You know, I'm always thinking, what's the next shoe to drop? But you can always find depending, again, on your dogma, data that supports the market going up or the market going down. So I think that's what, to a certain extent, what we're seeing here. I'll say this, price action over the last few days has been noteworthy, and I think we should continue to watch it. The S&P has been hanging in there. But again, with the market selling off like this, semis giving it up, resource stocks now giving it up, and reversals in some of these banks It's just worth watching, Dan Nathan. Yeah, I
1: was going to ask you, Guy. I mean, Alcoa down 16%, Mm -hmm. Letter X down 5.5%, Freeport McLaren down 8.5%. I'll just say this is where money has been flowing, right, as it's been coming out of high growth, high valuation tech. Into these areas. And I got to say, you and I have been talking about it on the market call for the last couple of weeks. And we've been talking about it on fast money, man. This sort of volatility, given this uncertain macro backdrop right now, in the face of the Fed doing something which Rosie just told us they haven't done in 20. two years it just doesn't seem particularly bullish here man and it doesn't seem like it's going to end on you know going to stop on a dime here but let's look at this Nasdaq 100 guy because slide you know, it earl down about 16 and a half percent had that massive rally off of 13,000 got above 15,000 here here we are in the midpoint of this kind of one and a half month range or so really seems like you know, Tesla helping it out today, nothing else other than Apple up 1%. I suspect that'll be down in the day soon enough. What's your take on the NASDAQ 100? We know that these top six names make up 50% of the weight. And we know that there are dozens of stocks that have absolutely been decimated. And again, Apple is only down four and a quarter percent on the year. It's a $2.7 trillion market cap company that makes up, you know, 13% of this index. What's your take?
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, you point out the 50% retracement of this latest move. You know, that move to 15,000 ish that we just recently saw was sort of almost a 50% retracement of the move from Thanksgiving until this recent low. So the math all makes sense. So I think there's a chance we go to sort of go sideways here. For the next week. Why do I mention the next week? Well, you and I both know we got a bevy, again, a word that I'm not sure how many E's or V's are in it, but we have a bevy of earnings coming up, and that's going to tell the tale. I would submit, unless these companies, and you know the names, folks, knock it out of the park. And when I say knock it out of the park, I'm talking both EPS and revenue beats and guidance higher. You now, I think these stocks are vulnerable, which means by definition, the NASDAQ is vulnerable. Again, predisposed to be sort of bearish here, but the stats sort of back it up, Dan, if you start to think about
1: it. Yeah. And so when you look at the SPY or the SPX, S&P 500, and that aforementioned Apple makes up nearly 7% of an index of how many stocks, Guy?
0: Well, if there are 500 in the S&P, if the S&P 500 stands yeah, to reason, yeah, five hundred, yeah. NASDAQ 100, I would imagine it's 20% of that. See the math? It, just it, did yeah, on the well,
1: it was, it was about... It's about 13% of the NASDAQ 100, about 7% of the S&P 500 here. And you look at the S&P, and obviously, it's benefited from some of these groups that did not have huge weightings last year, two years ago, energy, resources, that sort of thing have done pretty well there. And the banks have kind of tried to find a little bit of a bottom. But if you look at this SPX, and you see that recent bounce off that 4,400 number, I mean, to me, man, this seems like a reload on the short side. And really, a retest of that 4,150, which was near that March low, is coming to a theater near you, I think that, you know, I know that you think that we could see lower loads. It's not going to happen all at once. But again, I'm really focused on. What are these big four next week going to have to say? And if they give murky guidance, I think whatever they report for the quarter just ended, I think that's going to be in the rearview mirror. And I think investors may really consider a 19 and a half times or so for the S&P 500 at very rich to that five-year average in the face of rising rates. That's the
0: question. That's the next homework assignment for Elizabeth that I hope she's listening. What's the right multiple in this environment for the $230 or so of S&P earnings we're expecting? Got to look at Tesla today. We talked about it, obviously, on Fast Money last night. The reason why Tesla just is interesting to me is because, again, you know the market cap of the stock. We talk about it. But it went from 700, that recent low, traded up to 1100-ish. I mean, it had a north of 50% move, Dan, in the course of, what, two weeks or so? Now we're sort of trading sideways here. And, again, I'm not a hater at all. I've been right in Tesla over the years. I've been wrong. I mean, this is nature of the beast. What I'll say is this. You look at this chart since October ish, and those higher, those highs, each one is a lesser or a lower high. Yeah. That is not a particularly bullish formation. I said it last night on the show. I'll say it here. The Bears tried to prove themselves, they were unsuccessful, given that earnings report, which is the earnings report that every Tesla bull has been waiting
1: for for a decade, got yesterday. Now they need to prove themselves. No doubt about it. I mean, listen to your point, guy. This stock was 750 just a few weeks ago, and now it's 1050, and that's 300 billion dollars in market cap. Do you know how many stocks in the S and P 500 have 300 billion dollar market caps? You know, you could probably count them on all your web toes there. And you know, that's the thing. I mean, this is just the sort of volatility and the sort of action <laughs> we're seeing. This is not normal. This is not bullish. And I just want to make one point, And we're gonna get to Meta or Facebook in one second here. But Meta was also a trillion-dollar stock in September, and nobody – Nobody could have foreseen two consecutive bad quarters here. Everyone loves that management. Everyone loves their, their engine of that ad engine and their monopoly there, the duopoly that they have with Google. And when you look at this, Tesla firing all, all cylinders, no one can see what can go wrong here. Obviously, there's plenty of shorts in there. They get decimated every single opportunity the company speaks here of late. But I'll just say this. This is a cult stock. It's not even a meme stock anymore. And every single cult story, every cult stock that I have seen in my 25 years in the business, they will correct. And there's never been a bigger one than this. All right. Over to Matt. Now,
0: hold on. Before, I want to say two things. You mentioned everybody loves the management. I think you were talking about the meta. Yeah. Not me, Squire, but that's just, but it's neither here. Now, there's this old saying, the cover up is always worse than the crime. Yeah. Dan Nathan, please yeah. continue.
1: Yeah, well, I think that goes back to the Watergate days. I know that you were interning for Woodward and Bernstein there when you were in law Los- with my web feet. <laughs> where, where I mean, there's
0: a lot going on in this I know, show. I, but I you know. What, I'm just feeling
1: like I just feel like you're 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 feeling strong here, and I feel like you could take a few body blows. That's all I'm saying here. But no this doubt. this is a bombshell a little bit, right, guy? From uh, you think? Yeah, I I, I mean, so so the, the Wall Street Journal is basically saying that Meta is, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, who is supposedly the adult in the room, right? There's just, listen, here nor there, all the stuff, she was trying to kind of get a news organization to squash a story about her then boyfriend. And, you know, this is the main line and Facebook is looking into her actions. She's going to be gone here. And, you know, the stock's down a lot on this. And, you know, to me, the company is going through a major, major pivot here, you know, to the metaverse here. Not that she's particularly useful in, in anything as it relates to that, but she's been helping to run this company for over a decade. So, you know as far as i'm concerned this is not good facebook stock if we can look at this thing again in september 1st of 2021 this thing was absolutely ripping and people were asking themselves how quickly will it get to two trillion you know Mm -hmm. so guy here we are it's been cut in half what's your take it's been cut in half think about that and that's since
0: last summer i mean is that normal i mean these we're gonna talk about netflix obviously in a second as well but there's nothing normal about this what's my take well if she stays, again, I, have, I got no dog in this hunt, as yeah. they say. But, you know, if they keep her on, I think that's really negative just in the blowback they're going to get. And if she leaves, quite frankly, I think it's negative. I think given her importance to the company. So it feels to me there's another leg lower here. I don't think uh, the market is correctly pricing this in. But we mentioned Netflix and Twitter. Let's take a look at Twitter because, you know, we talked about Elon Musk. We talked about what's going on there. I'll still say this, Dan. I think we're in this 45-55 range. I think they report on the 28th, maybe the 27th, one of those days-ish. What are your thoughts here? Because I
1: think you stayed long the stock in the earnings, yeah, you've been saying that, and, and you know, you've been right. You just think that there's a handful of drivers here that kind of keeps a, a bit under the stock here. And I think the wild card obviously is the wild card himself is Elon Musk, you know, he may take his ball and go home and who knows. And if that case, you know, if that were to happen, I mean, this stock is back below 40. His average is somewhere, you know, in the mid thirties or so. It looks like there's plenty of private equity interest. I just don't know how private equity does it if Elon's not involved. To me, you know, this one's tough. We have this chart dating back to its IPO in 2013, and you see it's just dead money. It's in the midpoint of that range here, and it's a really tough one. So I think trying to trade it off what you think might happen is a difficult one, and you really want to focus possibly on some of the earnings of some of their competitors. Snap's going to report after the close tonight, and that may give us a good indication. And also, as we get to Facebook next week, Twitter's earnings, I think, are not going to be particularly impactful because they have a bit of a cover here, but it may bolster the case if they're really bad. For Elon taking it over, and if they're really good, it may go the opposite way, guy. I mean, that's just my two cents. I know that you're inclined to be a buyer. One thing I just want to say: this, and I'm going to throw this up. This is probably the third day in a row, guy, that we've shown this Netflix chart. You Have to. This is this is a ten year here, and you just look at how this stock has utterly collapsed from seven hundred to two hundred. I mean, this is this is a name that almost every household in America uses. One of the big problems is that there's only one person in each household that is paying for it. And I just when you see this sort of collapse guy from a name like this, a widely held name, and you see a guy like Bill Ackman, when the stock collapsed in January, who bought a huge stake, Pershing Square is his hedge fund. He takes concentrated positions, usually activists. The fact that he is puking it after this one just tells you that we are in a market where even some of the most experienced players are like, you know what? Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. I'm out. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, this down what
0: I think this is a 68% move from peak to trough. And the peak happened in November of last year. I mean, a few months ago. And what I said last night, and listen, I'm not suggesting I'm right, but the euphoria around this stock in October, November of last year is only met, you know, you can only compare it to some of the negativity around it now. I mean, that is not lost on me. I'm not suggesting. That makes it a bottom here, but it's in quickly, yeah. It's amazing how quickly people flip the switch. I mean, the, the market universally loved Netflix summer, fall of last year. Now everybody seems to hate it. There is value here someplace. The question is how much of an overshoot will we see? Traded 135 million shares yesterday. It's going to do a crazy amount of volume again today. I would suggest that's some form of capitulation, but right now the stock doesn't say that, Dan Nathan.
1: All right. Well, listen, you know, again, I'm sorry for that. You know, listen, I've been in the Big Apple now for 25 years and I'm from, you know, upstate New York. I've heard all those backwood jokes and I don't know, maybe I heard something about you not wanting to come out of Morristown every once in a while. So that's where that came from, Guy I was just kind of projecting my upstate New York-ness. All right. Lastly here, you had a lot of good comments. This has been a group that you've actually, just all of the kind of transportation names, specifically, I. Obviously, the airlines here and really the reopening trade. We know the E in your hope trade from Fast Money was Expedia. And you've just been saying for the last few weeks here, this group is trying to bottom the run better here. This is the Jets ETF and you know all the major US airlines are in there. Pretty important level. It's just gotten above. What's your fundamental take after seeing those United earnings yesterday? Because it wasn't just the earnings. It was the guidance and the commentary, Guy.
0: I mean, there are now three CEOs of major airlines, started with Delta, United, American Airlines today. They could not help how giddy they were, literally a word I'm choosing to use, all interviewed by Phil LeBeau, all saying basically the same thing about not only current demand, but what they see going forward. And I'll also say this, and this is something that Tim Seymour talks about. I've mentioned it as well. These airlines have been forced now to run better. They're better operators now than they were pre-pandemic. And again, I'm not suggesting the stocks should go back to pre-pandemic levels. Karen mentioned last night about enterprise value and the debt they've taken on since. I get it. But we should be significantly higher, I think, in these names than we are right now for all the names I just mentioned, Delta, United, and American. Delta is the one I like the most. And I think this Jets ETF can continue to rally. For you Wings Over America fan, by the way, Venus and Mars in the rock show in the Jets. Some of the best music I've ever heard. Back to you, please, Dan.
1: Back to me. But let's Liz Young has been. Oh, she wanted me to bring her in. I'll bring her in. Liz Young from SoFi. You call her EY from SoFi. She is their market strategist. You get to preview her weekly blog here on Market Call every Thursday. Liz, welcome back to Market Call.
2: Thank you. I thought you were going to forget about me for a minute. No,
1: stop.
0: Listen to me. Stop. <laughs> Listen, I gave you a homework assignment for before we even get to oh, yeah. what, what yeah, yeah, we're going yeah, to yeah. talk about here. Please help me yeah. out.
2: Well, first, I want to talk about Netflix. I'm doing it wrong because I'm the one who pays for the subscription and my parents use my password. Love that. Totally That's backwards.
0: Great. You just teed up Mr. and Mrs. I Young, but that's neither here nor buying,
2: there. I'm buying some time. The painting is from Goodfellas. There you I think. go. Somebody's mom painted it.
0: Goodfellas, yeah. it I like what you did there. It's very Midwest. Something... By the way, I know you know this. There was a huge, there was a huge mob presence in the Midwest, specifically in Kansas City. Everybody thinks Chicago, Kansas City. Oh, I was City. gonna but say back, Chicago. Yeah. Definitely was not Milwaukee.
2: There was there's no mafia in Milwaukee. Yeah. Goodfellas. Somebody's mom painted it based on some national geographic picture from 1978, which was four solid years before I was born. Oh, so, so, I think so your
1: Google machine's working I, here. Liz. My Google
2: machine worked great. All right, let's talk, let's talk markets. Excuse. You just
1: heard Guy and me, you know, listen, we see a lot of funky stuff going on right yeah. now in a lot of different areas of the market that in particular have been where people expect if the market were to re- regain its footing, it's got to happen with some of this leadership or some of the stuff that's absolutely been pummeled, kind of find some footing. What, what's your take here? Because this is kind of a messy day in the stock market.
2: It's a, it's a rough day. Look, it's, a, it's been a rough year and I think it's going to be a rough first half. I don't think it's over. I don't think the volatility is done, but we talked about this last week. I like to, even in, in bad times, even in negative periods, give people something to do, give them some kind of actionable item, something to look forward to, even if looking forward means you have to wait three years for it to happen. So the take right now, and Guy, you asked, you gave me another homework assignment. What's the right multiple on this market if earnings are at 228. Well, that's for the year. If you look at earnings growth for the quarters, first and second quarter are supposed to be kind of underwhelming. Let's call it 6 to 7% growth. Third and fourth quarter are supposed to be a lot better. You can get up to double digits. You can get 10% growth in both quarters. And that's assuming that those are the actual bogeys that we hit. That's assuming that we don't beat. So mm-hmm. what if earnings end up higher than 228? The five-year average is somewhere around 18.7. I'd say we probably can get to that again. And that's on the S&P. We got a little below that when we dipped earlier in the year. I think that was oversold. But again, I don't think the volatility is over one thing that i will say and i don't know if i've said it on here before we talked about this in the beginning of the year i'd said it was a sell the rips market i think we've transitioned now where you can start buying those dips and I think there's going to be plenty of dips to buy so your opportunities are endless for the next few months but you could start buying those dips and in particular When you're buying them, I mean, as investors, what we're doing every single day is trying to decide what's the risk reward of this particular purchase, right? Or of the holding that I already have. So looking at when it does dip, what's the stuff that's been really beaten up but the theme is still intact over the next two to five years. So that's what I wrote about this year. Tech is a classic beauty, meaning that there's never gonna be a time when I would come on and say, yes, things are bad, but you shouldn't own any tech in your portfolio because tech has its tentacles in everything. You can't not own tech the same way that you can't go through a day as a human without using tech, right? So there's going to be more investment. Then you have to be more specific about where. Cloud software, I won't read this all to you, but cloud software, I think that's mostly because of the future of work, the way that work has changed. There's a lot more growth there and a lot more purchase opportunity there for companies in the next two to three years. Cybersecurity, I think for very obvious reasons, And then disruptors of the current financial system. Yes, I recognize that I work for a disruptor of the current financial system, but I still get to talk about it. I do think that that theme stays. That doesn't mean that the industry doesn't change a little bit and there might be some consolidation that happens in the industry, but I'm also throwing crypto into that too, because I think that's an asset class that stays. And these are buying opportunities when we have dips, but then you gotta buy them and stop thinking about it. Let it ride. And it's going to be a bumpy ride maybe for the rest of the first half, possibly into the third and fourth quarter.
0: Well, cloud software, cybersecurity, and FinTech are not just pretty words. Now that will not escape certain people out there, I guarantee you, but I also know that that totally went over your head EY, but that's okay. <laughs> that was my EJ reference. By the way, just question, what's your favorite color?
2: Well, technically my favorite color is purple, but today my favorite color is green.
0: And why would that be? <laughs>
2: because another opportunity outside of tech continues to be electric vehicles. This chart is just showing you how dislocated I think the market is right now from the opportunity set and from where we're going. So you're looking at an ETF that represents autonomous and electric vehicles in that red line. As you can see, it's corrected this year. And then blue is gas prices, which is what's hitting all of us. Obviously, if gas prices stay high, oil prices stay high, and this call for a new commodities cycle, continues then the demand for electric vehicles picks up you've got every major automaker on the planet trying to increase production obviously we know what just happened with tesla this theme is here to stay the market is short-term dislocated from the fact that people are paying too much for fossil fuels paying too much for gas and they're not buying enough evs it's a transition though and i think people have expected it to happen a lot faster than it did It's gonna take infrastructure build. It's gonna take a lot of iterations to get this right. And obviously supply chains have been an issue, but this is something that I would start building a position in. If you don't already have one, increase a position if you do.
1: All right, let's talk about that because here's some great themes. And I think you're 100% correct. It really is about timing and how you match up your view of these different industries you've just kind of laid out for. And these are going to be themes that play out over not just quarters, but over years and if not decades, right? And so yep. let's just kind of break it down. So cloud software, cybersecurity, and fintech. And these are areas that were themes that I think some investors were kind of dipping their toes in. They didn't have a lot of ways to express it before we had, you know, this kind of big move to the public markets over the last few years and valuations basically on all of the above got basically disconnected from fundamentals, right? So we yeah. had these huge run-ups. Now we've had these huge crashes. What's really interesting to me, though, about this drive ETF, Liz, is that it's made up of some of the best tech companies out there, right? Because they're doing a lot of great work as it relates to autonomy and that sort of thing. But how do you, you know, if you're looking for some bright spots, not in the stock market, but in investment themes, as this is this what you're trying to do here? How do you think about sizing? You said, you know, if you're already long, you stay Mm. long, but it's really hard in a market with so much uncertainty, right? And so I'm just curious, are you in favor of dollar cost averaging, especially when you have ETFs that you can express these views in because you're not going to have that idiosyncratic risk, especially like if you look at this drive, the largest position is three and a half percent in one name, that sort of thing.
2: Yep. So for individual positions, it's different. I'm obviously going to always be suggesting more of an industry group or a thematic diversified approach. Personally, and I usually don't give percentages, but personally, when you're looking at something that's a bucket, anything under 5% is meaningless. Why even bother? And I say that the same way for small caps, right? Something like that, where you're trying to have an allocation to an asset class because you have a return goal. If you're investing 1.9% in an asset class, why? Why bother? So if you're investing in something that's broader, more diversified long term, I think you stay in that 5% area. This was a call that I actually made very early in the year, and I went on TV and said, this is one of the ETFs that I would call for for 2022 and beyond. So I was in it already and I have dripped more into it over time. So absolutely believe in dollar cost averaging. Also, because of everything that we just talked about with the market, more volatility to come, right? We're only one hike into this. We're expecting more hikes. But as they come down the line, there's going to be more bumps. I think we're going to have little tiny relief rallies and then more dips. And that'll happen more than one time over the next few months when that happens. So when you see those little dips or when you have a relief rally and then it lets off some steam, that's when you drip into some of these things.
0: The Cars released their fifth album, Heartbeat City. I want to say 1984. The highest rated single song from the Cars was Drive. I know you're saying, where is he going with this? (laughs) But it was not sung by Rick Ocasek. It was sung by the late Benjamin Orr, which is neither here nor there. It happens to be a great song. Butter's time. And I got to tell you something. If you had asked me, Before we did this, if companies with international exposures were doing better or worse than companies with more, I would have said, are you kidding me? With the rising dollar, they gotta be getting crushed. No. But guess what, Dan Nathan? Yeah, That's not the case. That's why you bring in a guy like Butters and his work.
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. So John Butters, he gives us a preview of his Earnings Insight blog that drops from FactSet every Friday morning. So you can subscribe and get it in your email box, but you can also watch Market Call and get a little bit of a preview. There's always a lot more in his note than what we hit here, but this one's a really interesting guy. And it kind of hit me the same way when I saw this too. When you think about that surging dollar, think about some of the areas of the world that have just really been shut off, whether it be from travel, right, related to just kind of continued COVID lockdowns. We know that we've had lockdowns in China, large parts of China, over the last month or so. And obviously, the war in Eastern Europe with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and some of the stuff that is going on in related countries here or, or in and around that. I mean, obviously, Europe's gonna be in a recession in the not so distant future before we are. So this is a kind of a surprising thing. I wonder if this is a bit backward looking, and I would expect when we get through the bulk of Q1 earnings for a lot of US multinationals over the next few weeks, that we're gonna hear a lot of uncertainty about this. So it's great that we have a heads up about this, that we've already seen this. It'll be interesting to track, Liz. You know, you just ran us through some sectors here in the U.S. that you're kind of focused on. How do you think about international? It just seems like there's lots and lots of headwinds right now, especially with that surging dollar, especially with interest rates going higher. And then who knows what happens with Europe?
2: Well, I agree. I think Europe will go into a recession at some point this year. We'll find out about it later in the year. The good news is if they get it over with faster, they can rebound faster. In the meantime, something that I think a lot of investors don't realize, if you want defensive posturing and you must be invested in Europe, look at dividend paying stocks. I think it's something like 80% of the dividend payers that have a dividend yield above that of the S&P are outside the US. The UK has a ton of dividend paying stocks. So if you're looking for defensive exposure, there's a lot of consumer staples over there. There's a lot of dividend payers over there and that's where I would be if I had to be in Europe.
0: We can't go on thinking nothing's wrong. But you know what? We also can't go on because we're out of time. I know now you're saying to yourself, you know what, guy? You're right. That was a great song. Go to my Spotify playlist. It's one of the 730 songs on it, just putting it out there. But that's it, people, because we are out of time. That's today's Market Call. Thank you, our sponsors, FactSet, SoFi, which EY is a huge part of. And of course, Open Exchange. Listen up. For more great content from Elizabeth Young, follow her on Twitter at Liz Young Strat, and sign up for SoFi's daily newsletter at SoFi.com slash daily to read Liz's articles every Thursday. I've enjoyed this immeasurably. I hope you have as well. I guarantee Mona Lisa wasn't on your bingo card, nor was Benjamin Orr, but that's why we play. See you next week.